0: Hello all, it's Anna and Marella for Blooming Boomers of Autumn and Winter. And today we've got a guest, we're going to continue exploring physical fitness, especially as we get older. And we've got Janice, Janice Lowe. She's a physical therapist at Cedar Chiropractic Physiotherapy Clinic here in Burnaby, British Columbia. She also has her own practice at in Vancouver. And it's called Resilience Active Rehab. It's her own business. So Janice is going to help us out, physical fitness from a professional perspective. Mm -hmm. Last time we were struggling with motivation. So Janice, you can tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Sure. Well, uh, I've lived in Vancouver for a really long time. I originally became a physiotherapist because I was living in Whistler and I hurt myself majorly every four to six months because we were snowboarding 75 times a year and going fast and, you know, doing the mountain bike park with all the jumps and I was working as a server and So basically, I had to use physiotherapy services all the time. And I just realized how necessary they were to help people to enjoy their lives. Because once you have an injury, you don't have to stop forever. They can tell you what to do in order to get better and to get better faster, which is what we all want. So I became inspired by that. And I went back to school at a very late age. I was about the same age as the my colleague's parents were half the time and so it was worth it so here I am now as a physiotherapist and I just love my job.
0: It's nice to hear you've experienced pain Mm -hmm. and that kind of motivated you and you kind of figured out the way what you want to do so maybe I don't know as a first question what do you think Morella maybe just
2: what is the role of a therapist yeah Yeah. what is a a physiotherapist and what's your role?
1: Yeah. Great question. So for physiotherapists, we go in depth into the anatomy and physiology of the body. So we know um, all the the way all the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons and the bones are set up and the nerves even. And we know how they function at the smallest level. So we know how a muscle actually contracts, how a nerve impulse travels down the body So through that, we can assess uh, a person holistically. So we don't just focus on one part or one system. We focus on all of those. So when someone comes to us, I assess them and I diagnose, is the problem coming from a nerve, a bone, a ligament, or a muscle? Then we kind of know where to go from. And since we know all the anatomy, we can do certain tests that let us know which structure is actually injured. And then, we use physical therapies, like hands-on therapies. We call them passive treatments. So we do things like mobilizations and manipulations. And we can do needling, we can do acupuncture or Western style, which is IMS. We can use electrotherapies or ultrasound. We can do pretty our scope is pretty big. We can do a lot of treatments. And the purpose of the treatments, in my opinion, is to help the body to heal faster. For me, I don't like people to just come for passive treatment alone. I want to move them into the active. Yeah, active is just basically doing exercises, doing stretches, doing um, weights, or whatever it is. And we have looked at all the research so that we know what prescription to give. So we actually give a prescription like a doctor would prescribe drugs. We know, okay, for this issue, you have to do three sets of 15, three times a week at this weight, and then you're going to get better. Or you have to hold this stretch for one minute, three times a day, and then you'll get better. And so on.
0: I never realized it's that expansive. I always thought, you know, I don't know, come in, massage kind of thing. (laughs) But actually, it's quite extensive, which is good. So what kind of things you do not do? Well, the great thing
1: is that we're trained in how to notice what we call red flags. So certain conditions like cancer um, can masquerade as muscular pain. So people can come to us with a backache that they've had for a long time. And we have to be able to diagnose whether this is a muscular or bone or nerve issue or whether it could be something more insidious. And then we would refer them back to the doctor. So that's one thing that we have to be able to do to be safe because you could go and treat someone's back pain for six months and they're not getting better because they had cancer the whole time. So we figure that out if someone has something that we can actually help them with or whether we need to refer them back to the doctor.
2: What kinds of things do people over 50 usually come to you for? And it's, it's interesting because do doctors refer patients to physio? I've never had a doctor refer me to a physiotherapist. But as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking, I should visit
0: one. And maybe suggest and ask, do I need help? I've got, got a few pains and aches that th-
2: the doctors just say, well, doesn't look like it's anything serious.
1: Nothing's broken that's the thing. So we send you to a doctor when it's serious, when it's broken, whether it's an organ, if it's the heart, if it's a tumor, something like that. And a lot of doctors are kind of catching on now that we can work together. So there are doctors that are referring to us, especially if someone comes from ICBC or WorkSafe, they're kind of required to do this more active treatment than we can give them. So the doctors will refer for that. Sometimes for other issues, Mm, They have different belief systems. It depends on, I honestly, I find with their age as well in, in the older days, I guess we could say, (laughs) we used to think that rest was good and rest was what you needed. But now we're finding out it's actually the opposite and that moving as soon as possible is the best thing. And so now, um, the doctors in school are learning that they should refer to us and treat us concurrently so they can give you the medications and other things, but physical therapy can get you back on your feet faster. So the way that they started to figure that out was after people had ACL tears and they would have surgery, people would tell them, don't move. You can't move for three months. Don't walk. Don't do this. Don't do anything. And then they they wondered why there was such a disparity between who got better and who didn't. So they did a research study, and they found that the people who got better were the ones that didn't listen to the doctor, and they were just moving and doing their everyday life. So then a whole bunch of research started happening, and now we find for every condition that's stable, so say a fracture, no, you wouldn't want to move, you want to immobilize it, but for almost everything else, you should be moving. So for when people have a hip fracture, they have surgery, We're required to get them up within four hours of the surgery and make them walk if we can. As soon as they're medically stable, they should be standing up. And people go, ah, no, see you later. (laughs) Yeah,
2: no. My generation was was taught to sort of baby, you know, when when you have a sore something, just baby it, put some ice on it or heat and and just lay still. But here you're saying, now I'm I'm sure you're not going to push people too hard.
0: Well, it's a
1: fine line. So that's why you would come to professional because people have different personalities. So some people tend towards resting more and babying it more and you have to push them along. But some people just go hard and go crazy and I have to rein them in. So we have ways, objective ways, of finding out how hard you can push something. So generally I say... Um, It can hurt to about 5 out of 10 in pain during as long as it settles down quickly afterwards and it doesn't cause extra swelling or loss of function. If you're within those parameters, you can do that movement, anything that you want to do. And it should be back down to normal overnight. Your body should be able to recover overnight.
0: You know, it's interesting, you know, you use the word baby. But I think back then we didn't think of it that way. We just thought that's what the body needed. It needed rest. And we were thinking mm. that was a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So are, are you saying that a lot of injuries that you see are preventable if people were just more mobile? Or? Oh,
1: absolutely. So this is the thing. Mm. You're asking me um, what people, I guess, over 50 yeah. or 60 tend to come in for. Yeah. So there's two types of injuries. There's either a traumatic injury or there's an what we call an overuse injury. And so a traumatic injury is something that like, you fall down the stairs and you break your hip. Or you're playing soccer and you plant, twist your knee, and you tear your ligament. That's something that you have pain instantly and you've torn or broken something. The other type of injury is an overuse um, in which... Your body is not strong enough to do what you're asking it to do, so then it starts to become inflamed, or it can have little micro tears, or it just gets sore and stiff and things like that. So things like rotator cuff tears, you know, the shoulder issues, knee pain, stuff like that. So generally, the older population comes in with these type of overuse injuries, but it's kind of a misnomer. Yeah because isn't that
2: usually just daily life the kinds of things that you would assume well why is my shoulder sore i'm i'm all i've always done this i've done this my whole life mm-hmm. lifted up these groceries or you know carried this over here now why is it bothering me now is it just old age
1: mm-hmm. Well, what people don't realize is sometimes they spike their activity level and do something new that they're not used to doing or they do something a lot more than they're used to doing and then they kind of forget, they don't think anything of it and that's the reason. Now you've overtaxed it and now it's reacting. So mm, a lot of people will come in and, oh, they haven't gone on a hike in five years, five, ten years and they thought, oh, I'm going to do this with my, my children and then, oh, their knees hurt for like three weeks after, (laughs) Mm. something like that. But sometimes they don't attribute it to that because with an overuse um, condition, the pain doesn't start until later when you've already stopped. It's a delayed reaction? Yeah, so Mm. you get inflammation, and then you start to get the pain later. So you don't really know what it's from.
0: Well, you know, as one example, we had a work outing, which was golf, And I think I came in because all of a sudden I felt pain, right? And I'm thinking, I didn't do anything unusual. And remember going through it with Janice, and then it kind of hit me. Could it be the golf? Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm not a golfer, right? But the swing, you You turn a certain way.
2: You used muscles that maybe you just hadn't used in a long time. Long
0: time, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly why the older population gets these type of injuries, as we call it, because if you look at kids they're always moving. They're always wiggling. If they see a big rock, they jump up on the rock and they jump off of it. They balance on the side of, you can't even get anywhere with them without pulling them along because they're always doing something weird. If they were sitting here right now, they'd probably be lollygagging backwards on this thing and everything. How often do we go into a full back bend like a kid would? <laughs> Never. Right. <laughs> so for them, it's just in their mind to do it and they just do it all day long and they're always going into the end ranges of motion. So as as we get older we have to go to school and we have to sit nice and we have to go to work and we would look totally weird doing stuff like that so we mm. stop doing those things and we have to do them intentionally by going to the gym or going to yoga and things like that so if we're not doing that enough then our muscles and ligaments aren't as strong as they used to be and then we try to go golfing we haven't done that ever or in 10 years And then we get sore. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything. It doesn't mean that you have to stop doing your activities when you're older. It just means you have to prepare your body. The other thing is that kids, when we're all kids, we have stem cells and growth factors just circulating everywhere. There's millions of them in every joint and every muscle and everything, and they just are constantly repairing everything. And as we get older, we have less of those. So it takes longer. So that's why When I was 25, I could go hike the Chief after sitting on my butt for six months and be fine. Now I couldn't do that. I would be sore. I'd be winded. My knees would hurt. My back would hurt. Everything. So, So you have to
2: prepare for those kinds of things because your recovery is just going to be that much longer if you're not preparing for them. So are you advising that... Even if you don't have like a traumatic injury or a really sore something, maybe just go visit a physiotherapist just to kind of do that, a yearly checkup where you're at and preventative almost.
1: That would be amazing. That's our dream is for people to come to us before they're hurt. But of course, very, very few people do. Athletes are the only ones who would do that, right? But if other people would, then you can avoid some things, we can see where the body is going and we can give you corrective exercises to do now to avoid it. So as we get older, we start to become a little hunched in our back and like bending forward and then our chin pokes out because we want our eyes to see on the horizon. So (laughs) then we need to strengthen our mid-back, it can hold us straight up and then our neck isn't sticking out and then we have less neck pain and then our body doesn't start to grow in that bent over position uh rotator cuff tears very very common in uh, we can actually live with a half tear in our rotator cuff and if we strengthen the existing fibers we don't need surgery So we can kind of do a full body assessment. Let's check. We have norms for range of motion. So we go through every joint, see if it's at the normal range. If it's not, we can do some manual therapy to get you there faster, give you some stretches to do. And then we look at your strength. There's also a scale that we use for strength. And we see, is it same side to side? Or do you want to start something new? And do you have enough strength to do that thing without getting sore or hurting yourself? And if not, then we can teach you how to do that. So everybody knows that you wouldn't just not run for a year and do a marathon on Saturday. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you kind of do some regular workouts, then you're ready for anything and you can do whatever you want in
0: your life. You know, that's actually a wonderful idea. So, you know, if you want to try a sport or marathon, whatever it happens to be, I think it's a great suggestion. See your physiotherapist and then get yourself ready or actually assess your body. So, you know, that way you are actually preventing injuries and you're strengthening your body.
2: You know, I'm thinking that, like, I've been trying to get myself back to the gym or back to some exercise routine. But I'm thinking that if I was to do, let's say, a checkup, before, I'm not hurt. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really hurt on my body. But having somebody say to me, this is, this is where we're assessing you and these are some areas of improvement, then it would make it almost easier for me to go to the gym because I know what I'm working towards. It makes sense. It might make sense because, yeah. uh, you know, when I was younger, going to the gym, it was a, a visual thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know what I want to look like. Yeah. so that. But now it's not so much the visual. But if somebody is saying to me, we notice that you're favoring this or that your strength on this side is going or, you know, if you want to prevent hip injuries... Why don't you strengthen this part of your core? That might motivate me in the gym when I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, at 108, I'm going to still be fit. Yeah.
1: Well, that's exactly it. So in our culture in North America, we seem to have this view that as we get older, you're it's inevitable that you're going to be on the walker and you're just going to sit at home watching Wheel of Fortune all day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. That's our belief system. But If you go to Austria and the Austrians that I've seen in Whistler, they're 70, 80 years old. They're skiing for eight hours a day down super hard runs and they're hiking up mountains and coming back down. How can they can do it at age 80? And we can't. We can because the belief system is that you should be able to do it and they stay active throughout their whole lives. But even if you haven't stayed active throughout your whole life, it's never too late to start. So there's a couple of men you can find on the Internet. Unfortunately, I don't remember their names, but they didn't start working out until they were 60 years old. And one of them is a gigantic bodybuilder. Like his muscles are like the ones you see in the magazines. And wow. he looks his body is like a 40 year old body. And they only started when they were 60. Wow. So it's possible for anybody that's motivating (laughs) it is
0: it is so but are there any sports that let's say you're 60 something 70 something that you know from your perspective you're thinking not a good idea for you to do instead do this for instance Mm
1: -hmm. I wouldn't say that as a global statement so anyone can do anything unless you have a certain condition. So let's say you have osteoporosis, you should not do contact sports or anything that puts you at risk for falls. Because when you have osteoporosis, you can, uh, if you just fall just from standing height, which is called a fragility fracture. Mm -hmm. Normally, you wouldn't break your hip if you fall from standing. You'd have to fall from a height. But when you have osteoporosis, you can. So for them, they need to avoid running and jumping and contact activities. But if it's just at the osteopenia stage, which isn't quite there yet, then it's recommended to do running and jumping because it builds your bones stronger and you can uh, delay the osteoporosis. So, uh, yeah, if you don't have a medical condition, there's no reason why you can't do anything that you want to do if you prepare your body in advance.
0: So, again, another reason see a physiotherapist, right? Exactly. Uh, it helps. It gives you confidence.
1: Now,
2: do, do a lot of plans cover uh, physiotherapy?
1: Oh, absolutely. Extended health, uh, all of them do, as far as I know. And then we also, a lot of clinics will give discounts if people um, have MSP or if they're under a certain income level.
0: That's good. That helps. Yeah. So how do we motivate ourselves? We've heard what you said. Is there anything in particular you tell your patients that really gets them going?
1: Sure. There's a lot of things. So the number one thing is having a goal, having something you really want to do. Like you said, oh... I feel motivated when I think maybe I can do that thing I didn't think I was going to do. So a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, I've stopped skiing now and I've stopped playing tennis because my knees hurt and I'm old. And now uh, that's what happens when you get older. And I said, no way, not on my watch. We're getting you back to that. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to if you want to. So motivation, yes, having a goal, something you want to do and knowing that it can be achieved if you do the right things. That's pretty motivating. So we also have other things like I would give them uh, a sheet with their exercises on it and then the days written next to it so you can tick it off on the sheet. And then that helped me out because you kind of think you're doing the exercises all the time and you look at the sheet and it's all blank for about seven or eight days. (laughs) And you think, oh, okay. And then if you have to show that to your physiotherapist or somebody else, you don't want to be embarrassed. So you want to do it.
0: You hold them accountable.
1: Accountability. Yes. Yes, for sure. There's lots of apps available as well. And then a lot of people find They kind of think, oh, I'm not working out unless I run or go to the gym and lift weights. That's not true. Any type of exercise is good. If you like to go swimming, if you like to play tennis, if you like to play lawn bowling, anything like that. So going out with friends, having a social activity that's active, that kind of gets people out. Or joining a group. So if you know, oh, I've paid this money for this six-week Tai Chi course, well, I better go or I'm wasting my money. Those kind of things
0: you can use too. Quite good. So if you want long life, healthy life, Mm -hmm. uh, preventive, less injuries, get moving,
2: right? I think I'm going to come here and I'm going to have one of those little uh, physicals to determine what will make me better and then that'll make me want to.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, sounds great. Any um, recommendations, advice, especially for, you know, start slowly kind of thing?
1: Oh, definitely. So a lot of people will just try to do their activity that they want to do again. Let's say whatever your activity is, say it's bowling. They go out and they play for two hours their first time. Oh, my knee hurts. My back hurts. Oh, I guess I'm just too old to bowl now. Mm-hmm. No, it's because you went out for two hours. Maybe go out for 20 minutes first. So if you start small and progress. At your own level. So everyone's going to have a different level. If you have arthritis, you're going to have to progress more slowly than other people. And arthritis is not a bar for any sort of activity, even squatting or running. And so the new research has shown that running is actually protective of the knees. And people who run uh, less than 50 kilometers a week, which is a lot. (laughs) It is. It is. They have the, an in, incidence of arthritis um, of about 3%, and the average population, I believe, is about 10%. So it actually goes down
0: when you start to work out now, like I that. I have
2: a lot of
1: friends with um,
2: fibromyalgia, mm. and um, the people I've known don't want to exercise when they have fibromyalgia. But I have heard that the opposite is the best way to treat it, Am my
1: absolutely yes for fibromyalgia any type of chronic pain condition um ankylosing spondylitis rheumatoid arthritis all of those things do people do better with exercise it it improves your mood which you know is hard having fibromyalgia and if you're always tired it can improve your energy level so you for that population It is better to start off under supervision of not just any physiotherapist, but someone who knows about chronic pain. So not everybody does, but it might, it would be in the bios or you could call the clinic and find out. Um, And you really need to go with how you feel on the day. So pushing yourself a little bit, but not over the edge. With fibromyalgia, sometimes people fall into the trap of the boom and bust system where they have a good day, they feel good, and now all of a sudden they're going to Costco and Walmart and they're cleaning their whole house, and they're making dinner and they're having a party, and then they can't move for five days afterwards because they've overdone it. So it's about learning how to pace yourself. With a chronic condition, pacing is key. That's
0: still moving.
1: Still moving. It does not progress the condition at all. It doesn't harm the body in any way. It, it only is good. The only thing is, you need to do it within your tolerance zone because you have to live your everyday life, and you can't just lay yourself out.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I, I get the idea that um, with a physiotherapist, they might even encourage people to do what types of exercises that others may not see as "quote unquote" exercises. But it's a just moving, maybe a stretching or gentle bends whatever for that person to be moving because we do live in a society of boom and bust I I mean I don't have any chronic pain Mm -hmm. but even I if I'm not training for a marathon then I'm just going to sit on my couch like
0: it's a watch Netflix right
2: I'm I'm just a all or nothing kind of person I have a hard time understanding that you know look you're you're moving you're going for a walk just add to that don't don't go whole hog, and don't beat yourself up because you're not training for a marathon.
1: Yeah, so pacing is harder to learn for some personalities than others. Uh, I might be one of those people. (laughs) So that's why it is good to have someone to be accountable to and to make a plan. If you make a plan in advance, so you have to look at your day and you have to say, okay, Tomorrow I'm having company, so I'm not going to do my exercise that day. I'm going to save my energy. But then the next day or the day after, maybe that's when I'll do my exercise. So planning ahead and then paying attention to your body. And like I said, my favorite one is to, okay, I can go up to 5 out of 10 of discomfort as long as it disappears after a while. So then you can say, all right, yesterday I did the dishes and I cooked for half an hour and my pain was at a 7 out of 10 and it lasted for three days. Okay, that's too much. So next time I'm going to do 15 minutes, and then I'm going to increase it by one minute a week or something like that.
0: Thank you, Janice. You're welcome. So, again, you know, get up, get going. And we'd like to thank our guest, Janice Lowe, Cedar Chiropractic, and her own, if you want to reach her, she's resilient. She's at Resilience Reha- Active Rehab. Thank you, Janice. Thank you.
2: Really great advice. Really
0: good motivational talk. Yes. It's Anna and... Morella. ...for Blooming Boomers.